My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Don Moore is a chaired professor at Cal Berkeley, where he teaches negotiation and decision-making and researches over confidence, specifically when people think they are better than they actually are, when people think they are better than others, and when they are too sure they know the truth. As a researcher, Don was co-lead on the Good Judgment Project, a forecasting tournament that predicted geopolitical events sponsored by the U.S. government intelligence agency, IARPA. Don is also the author of several excellent books, including Decision Leadership, Perfectly Confident, and Judgment in Managerial Decision-Making. He has published articles in numerous outlets, including the LA Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, Psychology Today, Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Fortune, USA Today, Business Week, and the Wall Street Journal. I hope you enjoy learning from Don Moore, because I always do. Don, it's so great to catch up with you today. It's been a while since we last met up, so I love that this podcast gave me an excuse to reach out to you to connect again. Uh, Same. You've played an important role in my career that I'm especially grateful for. So my very first academic publication was the review that we wrote together on overconfidence with Liz Tenney. And then my first so-called A publication was also with you, Liz and David Hunsaker, when we examined the differences in verbal and nonverbal confidence. So without those publications- I'm similarly proud of those papers. I think those papers are great. Some of my best. Well, that's very kind of you. And you played such a, a- crucial role in those. I was just telling my wife this morning that on the uh, verbal nonverbal paper, we submitted to a journal and got the reviews back. And and I felt like there was this really complicated um, question that the reviewers had raised. And I was thinking that we were going to need several weeks to kind of figure out how to address this. And within 24 hours, you had written an additional two pages that had perfectly addressed that concern. And I thought like, that was amazing. That was impressive. So uh, I hope to be like you. Uh, if if not for those papers, I probably wouldn't have this job at KU. You've had a wonderful career as a teacher, researcher, and writer at both Carnegie Mellon and at Berkeley. And as you think about your career and your research in decision-making, forecasting, confidence, overconfidence, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others? Indeed, I am excited to be with you, Nate, and excited to be share to be able to share these lessons. So uh, I, I have appreciated your podcast so much, and thank you for the the service that you're doing to the profession and the world by exploring underappreciated lessons from uh, people who uh, who have something to offer. I hope that um, I, I qualify as part of that set. I would love to talk a little bit about some of the lessons that come out of my work on overconfidence and forecasting. And probably the most central lesson is to think probabilistically. So um, something that emerges from my work on overconfidence is all of our tendency to be too sure. And in fact, to, to make categorical assessments of things that really deserve probabilistic assessments with less than perfect confidence, which is to say, we live in an uncertain, complicated world in which the future can't be predicted perfectly. And so we have to content ourselves with imperfect estimates of the future 
And thinking about the, the those imperfect estimates as probabilities is so helpful in so many ways. I mean, I could talk for a long time about the benefits of thinking probabilistically. First of all, it's an essential input to any attempt to calculate expected value. Um, if your goal is to pick the option that maximizes expected value when you have a menu of possible choices, you need to have good estimates of the likelihood of various outcomes. Everything from what's the probability I get into a car accident to what's the probability I live past 70 to what's the probability this paper gets accepted if I submit it to a particular journal or what's the probability that my venture, my entrepreneurial venture succeeds. Um, and being able to think through those uncertainties in a realistic way, considering why you might be wrong and considering the whole range of possibilities is essential for picking the option with the highest expected value. And then being able to assess the quality of your decision-making after the fact. So one of the, one of the quirks of human decision-making is how we choose in order to avoid regret. If you have made good calculations of expected value and then your good bet gets unlucky, you don't have to feel regret. Yeah. You can feel sorry that you got unlucky, but you need not feel regret. Yeah, I think this is so fascinating. And as I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking of things that I feel like I've learned from you. And the very first thing I wrote down was think probabilistically. And I think of this in basketball. So uh, when I was younger, I wasn't a great three-point shooter, um, but I was decent but I would miss a couple shots and then I would stop shooting. And as I got to know you and your work, I started thinking of three point shooting in terms of probabilities. And then I just thought, no, you just shoot because you're going to miss, you know, if I'm a 35, 40% three point shooter, I'm going to miss six out of 10 and that's okay. And I'm going to miss three in a row and that's okay. And I feel like, you know, this in terms of thinking in, in terms of expected value, I feel like that has completely changed. For example, the NBA, Steph Curry, is shooting three-pointers based on expected value. If he's a 40% three-point shooter, every time he takes a shot, the expected value is 1.2 points. Whereas everybody shooting a two-point shot, uh, there's only a 50% probability their expected value is one point. And so just by understanding expected value, Steph Curry became one of the all-time greats and Steve Kerr became one of the all-time great coaches just by thinking probab probabilistically and understanding expected value. So I, I, I love to hear that lesson from you. Amen. Yeah, you can proceed forward with a risky course of action, knowing it's the option with the highest expected value, even if failure is more likely than success, right? Yeah. Like you can choose to introduce some interesting new product, realizing there's a high probability it's going to fail. Early on in Amazon's existence, Jeff Bezos told potential investors, I think there's a 70% chance this little startup is going to go belly up and I'm going to lose all the money that you give me or that you invest. He also said, I, I think the chance, the upside is big enough that it, it's worth investing. So there's only 30% chance that you get a payout, but the payout could be generous enough to offset the high probability of failure. Turns out that was a good forecast on his part. Yes. And, and I love this because I didn't, I don't remember learning about expected value until law school. Uh, you know, I was just thinking in terms of probability of success and never adding that additional piece of, you know, magnitude of payout. And when you combine those two, now we can make good decisions or make decisions that we don't have to regret after the fact, because, uh, yeah, if we get unlucky, 
Uh, but there was still, a, you know, the magnitude of payout would have been large. It was still a good decision. Uh, okay. Any other lessons you'd like to share, Don? Oh, man, I, I might tell a story, uh, possibly this story that readers of, of my book, uh, Perfectly Confident, um, remember most often, and that is the way that uh, my then fiance, Sarah, and I thought in expected values about attendance at our wedding. Uh, mm -hmm. So we wanted to invite more people than there were seats at the venue, uh, but we knew everyone wasn't going to come. So what did we do? Well, we estimated the probability on each of the individual people we wanted to invite and then some of those probabilities and they roughly match the number of seats so everybody got invites right out of the gate and the number of people attended uh was just off by one so uh there are 125 seats and we got 126 people there we managed to pull in another chair <laughs> yeah that's amazing so thinking in terms of probabilities helped you you know i i in terms of like social psychology and uh the impact that it has on on marriage and these wedding decisions I like to share the story of my wife. Uh, I proposed to her. I knew I wanted to marry her sooner than she knew she wanted to marry me. Um, but ultimately, the reason why she decided to marry me is because she didn't want to lose me to somebody else. So I'm always grateful for loss aversion uh, when it <laughs> when it comes to uh, relationships and thinking about my wife. <laughs> yeah. So thinking probabilistically ahead of time about the choices that we make in life is really useful for learning how to make better choices. Um, it comes with a, an awareness that not all of our choices will ultimately wind up being successful, right? I put my money in investments that sometimes go down in value. And if I have thought hard about the probabilities ahead of time, then after the fact, I can look back and reflect on whether there's anything to learn. Um, Amazon tries to do this when the company is considering some risky new project. Should we open brick and mortar stores? Should we invest in some new technology? Well, so the manager championing that cause will put together a six-page memo in which they consider the upside and the downside, the expected value, the probabilities involved, and then tries to make the case to other other leaders at Amazon that it's a worthy investment. That's, that six-page memo then becomes a really useful document that's worth consulting later. Sometimes those six-page memos include suggestions for when to pull the plug. If after a year we aren't seeing profits of a sufficient level, then we're going to cut our losses and exit. But it's also the case that um, they're really useful defending yourself against a failure, right? So sometimes managers will decline to take risky opportunities because even though it has a positive expected value, if the risk of failure is high enough, they might be nervous for their career consequences. Well, smart companies like Amazon and 3M that do want to undertake a lot of risky projects try to reward well-intentioned failure. Smart managers who make risky decisions that ultimately fail should not be punished just because they got unlucky. Instead, there will be a post-mortem at which the organization reflects on what, if anything, there is to learn from the failure. And then sometimes a party to celebrate the conclusion of this well-intentioned effort. Wow, really interesting. Uh, I've never thought of that second piece of, uh, so you write the memo to champion your idea, but then that memo becomes the defense system for those people if 
they get unlucky because we're so prone to this outcome bias. We're so prone to judge the goodness or badness of a decision based on the outcome rather than the process. I did this with a couple of my investments, uh, small investments. I wrote out a one page uh, kind of memo to myself of here's why I'm doing this. Here's why I'm investing. Now, it was more just to keep me committed to the investment as I needed to be. You know, of course, I'm going to gather new information. But I've never thought of this in terms of like doing this in a group. And now I have this memo that we can all look back to and see the information we had at the time that we made the decision so that we can still judge that decision by the process, by the information we had at the time rather than the outcome. Very cool. We're all at risk of doing what poker players call resulting, observing some outcome and assessing the quality of our earlier decision to bet based on how it came out. But that's a mistake because at the time we had to make the decision, we didn't know how it was going to come out. It was just a probability. There's this great story that Maria Konnikova tells in her story, The Biggest Bluff, uh, in her book, The Biggest Bluff, where uh, she's she's talking about a poker hand with her coach, Eric Seidel. And she goes straight to the outcome and he stops her. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't tell me how the hand came out and how much money you won or lost. Tell me about what you knew when you bet and what you thought about your prospects for winning. Did you make those calculations right? Because that's the essence of good decision-making and that's how you can improve in the future. Really cool. I, I mean, it just makes me think of kind of Nick Saban and the process. He's notorious for talking about the process. It's all about the process. The results will take care of themselves. If we're too focused on the results, then we neglect the process and, and can't learn from it. Well, Don, we could keep going, but I want to be sensitive of your time. Um, are there any other lessons that you'd like to wrap up with before we uh, wrap this up? Keep track and keep score. So all of us are prone to being too sure that we have made good estimates of an uncertain future. Keep track of those probability estimates and go back and check afterwards. Are you well calibrated in your confidence judgments? If not, try to correct and do better in the future. I love that. And one of the kind of greatest learnings that I feel like I've had from my PhD education is making predictions, collecting data, and, you know, I make predictions that I'm I'm really confident, you know, 100%, this is going to turn out one way. You collect the data, or at least I collect the data, I analyze the data, and I find out not only was I wrong, I was wrong in the opposite direction. I was completely wrong. And so I love this idea of keeping score. And I think we could all probably do that um, more consistently, make our predictions, make our probability estimates, and then go back and, and revisit those as well. So uh, Don, thanks so much. I love talking to you. I love your books. I love your work. Uh, I admire you. I respect you and your work. And I'm just so grateful that we could catch up again today. So thanks again, Don. Back at you, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickels and Dimes. Don Moore is perhaps the world's preeminent scholar on overconfidence and decision-making. And I look forward to trying to apply the lessons he taught today. First, think probabilistically. Many of the decisions we make involve uncertainty, so rather than make categorical or binary assessments, we can think in terms of probabilities to improve our decision-making. Jeff Bezos predicted that there was only a 30% chance that Amazon would succeed, but he also predicted that if it did succeed, the payoff would be enormous. Even though failure was the most likely outcome, it was probabilistic thinking that allowed Bezos to raise money and ultimately create Amazon. It was also probabilistic thinking that allowed Don and his then fiance Sarah to send out more invites to their wedding than there were seats available. Second, think probabilistically ahead of time. 
Not all choices we make in life will be successful, but we want to make sure we don't beat ourselves up for good decisions that turn out unlucky. The six-page memo used by Amazon employees helps them reward well-intended efforts and protects employees from resulting, judging decisions only by the outcome rather than the process used. And finally, keep track and keep score. By keeping track of our predictions and then checking to see whether our predictions are accurate, we can begin to gauge whether we are accurately calibrated in our confidence judgments. Once I started doing this as a researcher, I realized that I was way too confident in my own predictions. By following Don's advice to think probabilistically and keep score of our predictions, we can all make better decisions. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Seriously.